0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about issues related to ministry leadership. Today, I'd like to talk about a common problem that all of us deal with on a personal basis. Most of us deal with in relationships, and all of us who are leaders also deal with in organizational uh, leadership relationships. I want to talk today about how to handle anger, and particularly, I want to focus not on how to handle anger uh, in your family or in your uh, marriage, but I want to talk about how to handle your anger in organizational behavior or in organizational response. I get angry. I get uh, angry for a lot of different reasons. Let me give you a few examples. I get angry when people write me letters that uh, say things about me or about our school or about our denomination that are just simply not true or that are uh, misguided or that are so slanted as to be completely out of step with reality. And I get really frustrated when those kinds of things get published on social media and become uh, really viral in such a way that it's impossible to, to answer them or or confront them or deal with them. Man, that makes me angry because I just feel powerless. I feel like that other people are harming our seminary, are harming me, and there's not anything really I can do about it. And that powerlessness just contributes to a sense of anger and frustration and uh, wanting to lash out. I I also get angry uh, when governmental bodies do things that frustrate me. Uh, We're dealing with a situation uh, here in our area uh, over a land use issue and you say well I thought you had one of those up in Mill Valley. Well we did. Now we got another one down here in Southern California. It's a much smaller issue and really it's it's almost more of a nuisance issue in some ways compared to what we went through in the past but nevertheless once again uh, governmental entities making a decision that's causing me frustration difficulty anxiety and i'm angry because i'm having to deal with it um another another issue uh makes me angry is uh, just uh my own sense of uh frustration with myself and not and not knowing what to do to face up to some leadership challenges or problems you know i have an issue here at the seminary or a problem that i'm facing and i can't seem to figure out a solution and so you know, I, I just get angry with myself because I'm just, I'm, I feel inadequate. I feel like I'm not able to do the job. And I just think, I, why can't I figure out the solution to this? And it just makes me angry and frustrated with myself. So uh, there's some transparency for you on the podcast. I, I get angry with people who attack me. I get angry with governmental bureaucracy that stymies me. I get angry with myself when I'm not able to do what really needs to be done to move the seminary forward in the way I know it needs to go. Uh, it just, just, Anger. I struggle with it. I've always dealt, struggled with it and I've had to learn some ways to deal with it that are healthy and helpful uh, in an organizational context. So let me start by uh, just two or three basic things about where anger comes from and some biblical perspective on it and then I want to talk about how I've applied that in organizational leadership. So first of all, where does anger come from? Well, anger comes from threat or perceived threat. In other words, when you feel threatened or you perceive that you are threatened, you will respond with anger. Now, these threats can take many forms. Uh, One person grouped them into three categories. He said you can be threatened in your physical self, your social self, or your extended self. Let me give you an example of each. Um, A car swerves into your lane and you yell out in anger and shake your fist. Why? That driver can't hear you. That car can't respond to you. Why would you respond in anger? Because you were threatened in your physical self. Your, your bodily ha- there was bodily harm potential, uh, and the perception or the fear of that, the threat of that, produced an angry response. How about your social self? Well, uh, this is when you get embarrassed publicly, like at work or at school, and you get angry at the person who embarrassed you or angry at the organization who allowed it to happen your social self is being threatened and so you respond with anger. What about your extended self? Well, the best example of this is what I call little league parent syndrome. And that is, you know, little Johnny's out there playing little league. He's nine years old and and uh, uh, he gets hit by a pitch or the coach takes him out of the game or something other, uh, some other bad thing happens and the parent reacts. Why are you doing this to my child? What are you upset? About? Why are you taking him out of the game? Why aren't you doing something about that pitcher who keeps hitting the batters? Well, Little Johnny's not saying anything. Why are you saying anything? Because you have projected yourself through Johnny, and what he's experiencing, you feel like you're experiencing. And in some way, it looks, makes you look bad, or it brings you harm, and so therefore, you react with anger. So anger comes from threat or perceived threat. And it can be to your physical self, your social self, or your extended self. Uh, and this happens in organizational leadership as well. When you get a, uh, a threatening letter, uh, it threatens uh, your social self. It ex- threatens your extended self. When someone says that uh, they're going to co- take your job away from you if you don't behave a certain way, then it threatens your physical self because you wonder, will I have enough money to buy a house to live in or to continue to pay my rent or to get the groceries I need, uh, your physical self. So when people threaten you, uh, even in organizational context, you're, you, you, you experience these same threats to your physical, social, and extended self. Now, that leads us to the next issue. When you, when you feel this anger, is it always wrong or is it always sinful? Well, the answer to that is no. Uh, You know, Jesus is our model. He got angry. Uh, We're almost all of us familiar in John chapter 2 with the story of Jesus in the temple. Uh, Jesus uh, found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and exchanging money at tables. And what did he do? He made a whip of cords and drove people out of the temple and scattered the coins of the money changers and flipped over their tables and said, get this out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Jesus definitely was angry. And then he got angry one time with the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus uh, healed a man, and the Pharisees were upset about it. And so Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger, the Bible says in Mark chapter 3, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts heart said, to, said to the man, stretch out your hand, and then he healed him. And then uh, Jesus got angry one time with the disciples um, the disciples were bringing little children, or people were bringing little children to Jesus, and the disciples rebuked them and said, You know, get those children away from Jesus. He's busy. And when Jesus saw this, Mark chapter 10 says, He was indignant. So Jesus became angry with the disciples and told them, Don't keep children from coming to me. This is who the kingdom of God is made for. Let them come to me. So we know that anger is not always wrong or always sinful. Um, Jesus got angry. So we know that anger can sometimes be a motivator for us to right kind of behaviors. And that's what we want to talk about. How can anger motivate right kind of behaviors, particularly in an organizational or a church leadership context? Now, Paul also gave some instruction about anger. In Ephesians four twenty-six and 27, he wrote, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, Paul says it's possible to be angry and yet not sin. He's echoing what I've already said about Jesus. Anger is not always sinful. Anger can become sinful when it motivates actions or is an excuse for actions that are detrimental or destructive, but anger can be managed well so that it produces something that is not sinful and has a positive outcome. Now, when Paul said, uh, be angry, but do not sin, he then gave two instructions. He said, don't let the sun go down on your your anger, and don't give the devil a foothold. So what does this mean? Well, first of all, it means don't hold on to anger. Don't let the sun go down means uh, deal with it and deal with it now. Label your anger for what it is. Make a reasoned response to your anger. And allow your anger to motivate appropriate behavior. Now, in contrast to not letting the sun go down on your anger, holding on to anger, letting it seethe inside of you, letting it build up to an explosive moment, uh, letting it dominate your thinking so that you're distracted from the work you're assigned to do, letting it rob you of your sleep because it keeps you up at night daydreaming about how you'd like to get even with the person who's harming you, These are destructive ways that anger can be harmful, and so when Paul writes, don't let the sun go down on your anger, he doesn't necessarily mean that every single thing that makes you angry has to be resolved every single day by the end of the day. I think what he means is every anger, every instance of anger has to be addressed by the end of the day, and you have to make some decisions about how you're going to manage that anger and how you're going to let that anger motivate you to more healthy behavior going forward. I know in my context as an organizational leader, uh, sometimes uh, I can't resolve an angry situation in the day in which it happens because I can't even reach the person who's the that needs to be addressed or the situation that needs to be dealt with is going to take weeks or even months to resolve. And so it's impossible for me to resolve Every aspect of anger by the end of the day, but it is always possible for me to address my anger, to label it for what it is, understand where it's coming from, and make a plan of how I will let it motivate me to positive or healthy behavior. It is possible to do that by the end of every day. And then he says, don't let the devil have a foothold, or don't let the devil have an opportunity. And I think Paul is saying here, don't let your anger motivate you to do something destructive. Uh, When anger produces destructive behavior, it causes the problem to be compounded uh, and especially the relationships to be fractured in ways that are much worse than the original incident, incident which prompted the anger in the first place. And this kind of fracturing of relationships or intensification of difficulty is the devil's foothold to continue to bring about organizational dysfunction and even chaos because of anger. So here's what we've learned so far. Anger comes from a threat or perceived threat to your physical self, your social self, your extended self. When you feel threatened, whether it's real or not, when you feel threatened, your first and most natural response is anger. Now, that is not always negative or always sinful. Jesus models for us that it is possible to be threatened, having worship practices threatened, having Uh, religious, or or excuse me, having relationships threatened, having uh, kingdom advance threatened. When these things were threatened, Jesus responded with anger. But he responded with anger in purposeful, intentional ways that enabled him to use that anger to accomplish something good. That's what Paul's writing about when he says, be angry, but don't sin. And you avoid sinning in your anger by dealing with it immediately and appropriately and not allowing it to produce behaviors that fracture organizations or create even deeper divisions in relationships, because those become footholds for the devil to bring about some really significant trouble in the long run. Now, it is hard to do this. It is hard to control anger and respond to it appropriately. Proverbs 16.32 says better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Uh, Maintaining your anger and managing it well is harder than controlling or capturing a city. So it's a big task, but we have to learn how to do it if we're going to be effective um, uh, organizational leaders. So Here's some application I would make of this uh, instruction so far about what I've learned about leading in organizations and managing my anger along the way. Number one, slow down your responses. When I get an email that evokes anger in me, the temptation is to fire an email back and make the situation right. Straighten the person out. Tell them what they need to hear. Give them a piece of my mind. I can tell you Every single time I have done that, it has made the problem worse, not better. Uh, When I get a letter, the uh, temptation is, of course, to turn around to my computer and type out a response and get it in the mail as quickly as possible because I want to address this issue. But I've learned along the way that that also has produced, almost always produced, negative response. Uh, When I see something on social media, or someone comes to see me in my office, or a situation arises in the seminary community that I learn about, and anger wells wells up within me. Uh, I'm a doer. I like to make things happen. I don't like to leave things unattended. So my response, my typical first response is, let's go do something about this. But here's what I've learned over the years. Not letting the sun go down on my anger doesn't mean that I have to resolve it by the end of the day, meaning that every single thing that could possibly be done about it has been concluded. What it means is that by the end of the day, I need to have acknowledged my anger, labeled it for what it is, thought through the situation and asked myself, what about the situation is threatening me? And then make a plan to have a purposeful response. In other words, take a day or two to think about it before you respond. It is amazing how this changes the kind of response that you will make. When I give myself a day or two or three, oftentimes I wind up making a very limited response or even no response to a situation that I almost responded to uh, intensely in the moment that it happened. Giving something a day or two helps restore perspective Uh, helps gain additional information, helps eliminate some of the uh, uh, physical reaction, that fight-or-flight feeling that you have that rises up inside of you, that dissipates over a day or two. Taking a day or two to slow your responses really helps to mitigate the kind of negative response that gives the devil a foothold. Now, another thing I've learned in slowing my responses is this. When I do make a response... When I do make a response to some situation that has evoked anger in me, if I'm going to make that response in writing, I ask a couple of other people to read what I'm writing before I send it. And I ask people to read it who are uh, trustworthy, like vice presidents or members of our board of trustees, but not involved emotionally in the situation. In other words, I want dispassionate people to read what I've written And really think through it with me if it's what I want to say and if it's how I want to say it. And I will tell you that in almost every case, in almost every case, uh, when I've asked people to read something that I've written in response to an anger-inducing situation, they have edited my work, toned my work down, removed inflammatory words, and helped me to write something that was far, far better than when I first uh, drafted it. So when you're making a written response to an anger-inducing situation, ask some trustworthy counselors or some trustworthy advisors to read your response and edit it, reflect on it with you before you finalize it and send it. Sometimes when I've done this, my uh, consultants have even said to me, don't send anything. Don't send this. Don't send anything. Just let this go. And that's been helpful, too, as they've given me that kind of fresh perspective. Now... When you're going to uh, deal with something, uh, though, uh, in response that's verbal, in other words, you're going to have to make a public statement or you're going to have to uh, deliver a a message about this in a meeting or you're going to have to meet with someone individually, Uh, I try to do the same process, and that is I make some notes of what I want to say and I meet with someone, a, an advisor or a consultant or, so, or, or someone that I can trust, and I go through it with them in a role play kind of sense so that I have a, I've, I'm able to practice what I want to say and remove inflammatory language, accusatory language, and defensive language and try to really focus instead on the issues at hand. And so when you're dealing with anger in an organizational context as an organizational leader, uh, you want to recognize that not all anger is bad. Anger can be a motivator for good decision making and good behavior and positive change. We want to manage our anger so that we don't sin, which means we we resolve how to deal with it on on a, 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 a daily uh, and and immediately. But that we recognize that that resolution and that implementation may take a few days or even a little longer than that. And in the context of doing that, um, we want to avoid destructive activity that gives that the devil, that foothold that Paul warns about. So I think the first step to make all that a reality is to slow down your response. To avoid the temptation to send back a quick email or a fast letter or to call an immediate meeting or to make an immediate statement or to preach an immediate sermon, slow down your responses. And do that by uh, giving yourself a day or two, to think about the situation and to really determine how you're going to respond, and then ask some people to work with you on that response. Some dispassionate people that are involved from your board or from your uh, leadership circle that can read your response and edit it. Taking out accusatory language, inflammatory language, uh, removing things that are simply not factual that maybe you're venting instead of laying out the situation as it is. Get someone to help you. And then if you're gonna make a verbal response, do the same thing. Uh, get someone to role play with you. What you're going to say, or how you're going to say it, and to think through the phrases you're going to use, and the tone you're going to use, and the facial la- or the body language and facial expressions you're going to use. Do some role play of your response uh, before you do it, and with a dispassionate person. In other words, if someone has attacked you, your family, don't do the, don't have your wife read your response email or your, uh, or role play your response with you. She is not a dispassionate participant. Uh, get someone from your board to do it with you. Or get one of your elders to do it, or get someone on, on your leadership team. But get someone who's not directly involved that's trustworthy and help. Let them help you with the response you're going to make. Then a second step uh, to organizational response is to really learn to diagnose threat and to lower your threat threshold. As I said, anger is caused by threat. And so in the process of taking some time to slow your response, one of the things you should do is ask yourself, why am I feeling threatened here? Uh, what, what's, what's threatening me? Uh, for example, in my earlier years of denominational leadership, I would get a letter from a pastor that says something like this, I'm demanding that you do this, and if you don't do this, I'm going to have your job. And frankly, when I first started getting those uh, those letters, they were uh, they were disconcerting and troubling to me. And I wondered, uh, what, what do I do? What do I do? Then I realized, this letter is no threat to me. The, the only persons who can have my job are my board. And so if they tell me that they want me to be replaced or to be removed, then yes, I have to respond to that. But if a person writes me a letter and says that, That's really no threat. And so while my immediate response to a letter like that uh, used to be uh, anger and and anxiety and a a lot of tension, now my response to a letter like that is, well, all right, uh, if if they want to approach the board and get a hearing there, then that's fine. Uh, And if the board makes that decision, then that's a decision I'll live with. But in the meantime, I'm not going to let this produce an angry response from me the threat has been lowered because I recognize there's really no threat here. And if there is a threat, it's very minimal because that threat has to be exercised with a whole bunch of trustees who are going to weigh in on this issue before a final decision gets made. Uh, So another one is, uh, you know, to lower your threat level uh, about financial risk. I remember one time um, I was uh, dealing with a situation here at the seminary where I made a bad financial decision. I I've told this story before, but I made a decision once that cost the seminary twenty-five thousand dollars, and that that was so uh, frustrating to me, and I got so angry about that decision, angry with myself. And as I was thinking through, why am I so angry with myself? I realized, well, you're you're angry because you feel threatened. Uh, you your your social self is threatened. You feel like once this is well known, you know, people won't respect you as much as a leader or your your physical self may even be threatened. They, the board may say, well, you've got to pay some of that back, and they may give you a reduction of salary or something like that, which may hurt your, you know, your ability to maintain your standard of living and care for your family and all the things that go with that. So I was angry, but not with anyone else. I was angry with myself because I felt threatened. I, I felt threatened in my both social and physical selves. But as I thought back over that over the next couple of days, I realized, hang on a second how much threat really is here? What's really going to happen to me? I might, I might have some consequences, but I, I don't think they're that fearsome and fearful. And so I disclosed what I had done to my board chairman and to, to others in leadership, and their response was, wow, you made a mistake. Okay, welcome to the human race. Uh, this was in the context of a $100 million land transaction 25,000, yep, that was a mistake, but we think it's a mistake that we can manage. So I had spent a couple of days stressing because of the threat of this horrible mistake, but really, in reality, the people around me said, it's not really that big of a threat. It's just a mistake. You've owned up to it. You've acknowledged it. Now let's move on. So I guess that what I'm trying to say is you have to learn how to diagnose threat. What really threatens you? And if it's a real threat, then the anger that rises up within you, uh, the fear, the anxiety, all of that, let it motivate you to healthy action. But if you look at the threat and realize, wait a second, I'm reacting to something here that's either not real or not nearly as significant as I'm making it out to be, then that lowering of your threat, threat threshold will dissipate anger in your life. And then, as I've said, slow your responses, lower your threat threshold, and then last, Let your anger motivate you to effective action on the real problem. Now, this is very important for organization leaders to diagnose. What's the real problem? Because quite frankly, people who are uh, reacting to us and attacking us are often doing so on more superficial issues. And we have to have the organizational leadership discipline to continually ask ourselves, what's the real problem that I need to be addressing or the real issue at hand? And to have the discipline to keep our focus on those real issues and not be sidetracked chasing down these peripheral issues. As someone would, it's an old analogy, but uh, you can't spend all your time putting out brush fires you know you you've got to find the 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 forest fire and you've got to put that out. And so, as a leader, you can't react in anger to every one of these small things that attack you or small issues that are raised as if they're major issues. You have to keep asking yourself the question, what are the genuine threats to my organization's health? What are the real issues I have to be dealing with? What are the fundamental problems that I have to be focused on? And you have to let whatever anger you may feel about those threats, issues, and problems drive you to constructive action to solve them and not be sidetracked on all these other issues that people are raising that they want you to focus on and they want to sidetrack you with angry responses that lead to fractured relationships which leads to organizational dysfunction and create chaos rather than disciplined leadership on real issues. So, how do you deal with anger while leading in an organizational context? Every organizational leader, because we're human, we are going to struggle with anger. We need to learn that anger comes from threat, anger is not always sinful, Anger is not sinful when we manage it well and we prevent the devil from getting a foothold because of our anger. How can we do that in organization leadership? Well, these three steps. One, slow your responses. Slow your responses by getting help in any printed response you make and getting help with any verbal response you make. Have some wise people around you that you can vet uh, responses with and make best responses based on that input and then lower your threat threshold recognize that not every person that threatens you is really a threat not every issue that's raised is really a threat and learn to focus on the real threats that are facing your organization and that leads us to the third thing and that is let your anger motivate you to real solutions to real problems don't spend all your time trying to chase down brush fires Figure out where the forest fire is raging, the real threat, the real challenge, the real difficulty that your organization really does have to stay focused on and let whatever anger you have about that situation and whatever motivation you have about that situation drive your daily activity, not all these other issues that people are raising. So handling anger and organizational leadership, it's a challenge, but you can do it. I know you can. Put it into practice what I've taught today as you lead on.